At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's Essential Morning Show. He's here too. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today on Squawk Pod. The scarlet letter right now in the Democratic Party is B for billionaire. Or B for Bloomberg. New York City's former mayor considering a late launch into the race for president. It's the difference between a primary and when you get to the national election. So I got two things, a trial balloon and a pipe dream. Is it the longest of long shots or a new front in the war on wealth? People say, oh, I hate rich people. No, you don't. You hate rich people till you become rich. Here's the bottom line. There's a whole lot more of us than there is of them. Those stories plus Disney, The Gap, and hearing the other side. Stop with this. Stop with this. Free markets. Free markets. Ooh, what's happening here? I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. It's Friday, November 8th. Squawk Pod begins right now. Roll pray. Track. Take. Two, Andrew. Good morning. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at NASDAQ Market Set in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross. working along with Joe Kernan and Melissa Lee this morning. Becky is off today. First up today, billionaire in chief? Michael Bloomberg might be eyeing the White House. He's the eighth richest man in the world, which would make him the richest person ever to run for president. Is his wealth more of a hindrance than a help in his pitch for the presidency? Here's Andrew with the story. The 2020 election uh, looks like it may be getting a shakeup. We're going to see NBC News reporting that Michael Bloomberg, the billionaire former mayor of New York, is preparing to enter the Democratic presidential primary. He would need to file in Alabama today to get on the primary ballot. That's why... This news has broken the way it has. Sources telling NBC that he hasn't decided whether he's going to run formally. That's the important part to know. But he's filing in Alabama to keep those options open. Top advisor to Bloomberg saying the former mayor believes President Trump represents an unprecedented threat to our nation. And he's concerned that the current field of Democrats, this is important to understand, is not well positioned to defeat him in 2020. After the news broke yesterday, NBC's Harry Smith caught up with Senator Elizabeth Warren at an event in Raleigh, and here's what she had to say about Mayor Bloomberg. What if Michael Bloomberg says, I'm going to run for president? Yeah, that's up to Michael Bloomberg. But here's the deal. I think what we ought to do is we ought to be building a grassroots movement to make real change in this country. Um, I don't think that democracy should be about people coming in and buying elections. I think what it ought to be about... Is this pointed at Michael Bloomberg? It's pointed at everybody who thinks the way to run this democracy is through the billionaires, the corporate executives, the PACs. It's about how we think democracy works, because we've got a problem in this country. And that is, it is a democracy that's working great for those at the top. It's a democracy that's working great for the corporate executives. It's a democracy that's working great for the giant multinational corporations. It's not working for much of anybody else. And when you've got a government, a democracy, that's working great for those at the top and not for much of anyone else, that's corruption. It's corruption pure and simple. And we got a chance in 2020 
to turn that around. We got a chance to say, we're going to build this one from the ground up. We're going to build a movement across this country, and we're going to say to all the billionaires, you get a vote, but you only get one vote. And here's the bottom line. There's a whole lot more of us than there is of them. What she said there, she, she was right on a lot of levels in terms of the way the party's going to react to Mayor Bloomberg. The rest of what she said, I wish Sam Zell was here to say, because that was a crock of shih tzu, a lot of what she just said, <laughs> that it's not working for anyone else. But what she is saying is that the real heart and soul and, and energy of the Democratic Party is in taking big money out of political influence. And, and I think there's, there's I think a loud... I, I, let's make no. a bet right now. I will, I'll bet you whatever you want to bet. I'll give you odds that he doesn't eventually run. This is a trial balloon. It's not going to go well. It's going to be Howard Schultz 2.0, only worse. And so I say he doesn't run. That's a trial balloon. Right. And him actually getting the nomination is a pipe dream. So I got two things, a trial balloon and, and a pipe, and a pipe dream. And I don't he's know. Not, he's not clearly. He's not gonna, he, clearly, he thinks that Joe Biden is not going to get thinks, the. You know what I'm saying? He thinks, but seventy-five percent of Democrats are satisfied with the candidates that they have right now. Eighty-five percent, according to the Wall Street Journal and NBC poll. He comes along, Mister Fifty-Four Billion from New York City, takes a look at what everyone else thinks are pretty good candidates, and says. All these guys stink, man. I said that Biden, I said if he was going to, you know, if he was, I'd let him go if he had a chance. Now I'm deciding with my 54 billion, he doesn't have can a I ask chance. Can I a different question? It's so bad, Andrew. Can I ask you a different question? So though? presumptuous, so arrogant. Can I ask and you? it's a rich guy telling Hold us. Can I, can I ask you a question that I just yeah. don't understand? Yeah. To me, I look at Mayor Bloomberg, and I hold on, and I look it's on the, the merits. Dream, no, no, I and I know. no, no, not an elitist dream. I look on the merits of what he did to New York City. I look on the merits of what Once he did again, as a as, as a, a business person. person. A I look on the merits of what he did as know, as actually as close to an independent as you could ever. He imagine. was an independent at one point. He, he, just, he, he was a Republican at one point. I mean, yes. he just became a Democrat last year. The so, year so the question that I've always had, that I have for you is why would you be dismissive of him? Oh, you're no, saying, I don't have a. I don't. I honestly do not have a horse. In this. Because I don't care. I, I don't. Because what I would, you want to do with the Democratic? It's not what I want to do okay. with the Democratic. What the Democrats want to do? I'm fine with him. I'm just telling you. Right. He's not going to run because it. He doesn't have a chance. But let's the let's Democratic say let's play, right. let's play it out. Play it out play let's it say out. let's say he does run. Okay. What does that do in terms of splitting the vote? Does it affect Warren's chances at all? Does it affect? Does it take ten, I mean, you know some votes away from Warren and, it would and Sanders? Is it, as an independent, it would absolutely. It will. Trump. But I don't know what it obviously does, he so. obviously he'll take from Biden. Oh, yes. Obviously he yes. takes from Buttigieg on on day one. Actually right. he takes so from Buttigieg he, immediately. Does he lessen Warren's chances? I guess is the question because that's what the markets care about. The markets care about whether or not Warren. Will remain well within the party. Know, that's the complicated so party. Weird, it's when you get to, it's, it's the difference between a primary and when you get and when you get to uh, the national election. Are there lots of disenfranchised Democrats mm-hmm. who look at Elizabeth Warren and think that she's too far to the left? A hundred percent. Are there a lot of independents who look that way? Are there people who either wouldn't come out to vote at all because of it, or or dare I say, might even vote for Trump? I think there are, and that's he, what he, I think he's looking at now. Whether you think there's enough of those people, I don't know. I mean, you looked at predicted. He's well predicted. He went from right, two percent to, to six or seven percent on just getting the nomination. Um, it, it, I mean, I think Elizabeth Warren went down a couple of points on getting the nomination. Buttigieg went down a couple mm-hmm. of points. But you know, with all the entire story we've been talking about with Elizabeth Warren is the billionaire bashing and Lee Cooperman and all that. So it, it's almost like he comes 
riding to the rescue of a billionaire comes riding to the rescue of the other billionaires. That's not going to play in the in the AOC wing of the of no. The it's it's going to play terribly. It's going to play terribly. She and, on, she, I mean, and will then get used against him. I, I, I and I think this is the trial balloon where he's going to go. Wow. All my friends in New York City told me this was a good idea. This is going over like a lead balloon. Do you, do you like the idea that the first state that he... I mean, it, but I Alabama? That's you think Bloomberg's no, going to play in Alabama? But by New the way, City this, is not a tri- this is I know you're calling it a trial balloon. By default, he has to do it this way. I think it's a way. lead balloon. I know he does. Because he's, 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 he's the, the deadlines are soon. I just think it's funny that... You know. I just, Andrew, I, I just think it's going to be Howard Schultz 2.0. And, and, and it, it, he's an attractive candidate to a lot of people, especially in, in, uh, you know, in the circles around here with what he did in New York City. But not everybody in the country knows what he did in New York City. His name recognition isn't even that great in the rest of the country. Well, Look, Mayor he's Pete's got a lot of work cut out for him. No, this is zero when he entered. But I just, I don't know who's advising him. And, and I, you, I think he's probably well-intentioned because he, he doesn't think, I think he's... First of all, you're right. He may not, he may but, not but do this. But it's a bad commentary on the, on, the, on the process we've been through. All the debates, all these people trying right. to build up some support, trying to, to move, you know, the, the jockeying for position to be the nominee. And then he comes in and says, you all suck. And, and I, you're so bad, so incapable of beating Donald Trump that I need, with my money, I need to come in here and, and help you. It's just not But good. I'm not sure that should be the narrative. You're saying that has to be the, that's the narrative that's being built. It's getting, by the way, it's being built on I the Republican at, side, too. I don't look at the way things that I want them to be necessarily. I just look at the way they are. I, and I, I, I feel bad. I didn't want to even weigh in on any of this because I... There's hope here for you because I, I know people would love Bloomberg to be the perfect president, but I just don't think it can happen. We will see. We will see. We and will see know, what will happen. He flies to Bermuda on his private jet and talks climate change, and he walks around with a lot of armed guards for right. 12 years as mayor, and he's the anti-gun. And, and, you, have, and you have no uh, no dog in this hunt. Right. Okay. I do have three dogs at home. <laughs> Squawk Pod. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Today's hosts on Squawk Box, Joe Kernan, Andrew Ross Sorkin, and Melissa Lee, who kicks off more of our conversation about Michael Bloomberg possibly joining the presidential race. Robert Frank joins us now with more on Bloomberg's wealth. Good morning, Melissa. Michael Bloomberg would be the richest man ever to run for president. And while his wealth could reshape the money landscape, it could also be his biggest liability in a now more populous Democratic Party. Now, Bloomberg sending staffers to Alabama to qualify for the primary there before today's deadline. He has not made a final decision, but people close to the former mayor saying he is seriously considering a run since he believes the current frontrunners cannot beat the president. Now, Bloomberg's net worth is $52 billion. That makes him the eighth richest American. 17 times richer than the president. His fortune comes from his nearly 90% stake in Bloomberg LP. That's the financial data and news empire that he co-founded in 1981. He was, of course, the mayor of New York City for 12 years, switching to the Republican Party and then at the end back to a Democrat. 
He's already given away more than $8 billion to charity, mainly focused on gun control, climate change, education, and health care. Elizabeth Warren writing to supporters last night, quote, another example of the wealthy wanting our government and economy only to work for them. Bernie Sanders also welcoming him into the race, saying the billionaire class is scared, and they should be. I mean, it's, it's the scarlet letter right now in the Democratic Party is B mm-hmm. for billionaire. I mean, right. almost automatically, no matter what he has done in his life, the fact that he is a billionaire, I think, just makes him unacceptable to so much of this electorate. Right, right, right. It's, it's just... It's but like, I will say... I don't know and Andrew, talking you, to him. It's patently obvious that he's well, not the answer. And, Andrew, you know this. He has a private polling operation. Yes, he does. That is one of the best in yep. the country. And so... A, he's not doing this blindly. He right. must see some path. But it also proves that he sees that none of the current frontrunners right. can beat Trump. And that, I think, is perhaps more importantly than whether he can win or not. The more right. important lesson is that his polling operation, which is so sophisticated and so data-centric, shows him that none of these current frontrunners can beat Trump. Is that enough his- for him to beat the current frontrunners, though? Because that that's seems whole, like that's, that's what he has to run on. That, that is what he has to do first. And, and I, I think that's the big open question right now, as Joe mentioned earlier, his polling numbers within the party. As many Democrats dislike him and will never vote for him as like him. And that's, that's the issue he faces. All right. Thanks, Robert. Joining us now, uh, political pollster Frank Luntz and John Hope Bryant, chairman, founder and CEO of Operation Hope. I'll get to you in just a second. Frank, I just wanted, I, I have no idea what, what John is going to say about this. I, do you like Mike Bloomberg uh, as a candidate? So this is very interesting. I'm glad you actually asked it that way. I've met him a couple of times. He wasn't warm when I met him, and I think he needs to warm up personally. I think that people don't vote for pocketbooks or brains. They vote for hearts and minds. Uh, President Bill Clinton once told me that, that America would per- prefer a leader who's strong and wrong than weak and right. Uh, so he needs to be strong but also likable. Uh, that said, if I want to pack a room in the inner city, I got four million clients at Operation Hope. If I want to pack a room in the inner city, I tell them a billionaire is coming. When Oprah Winfrey came to Atlanta, uh, they, and she came to, to, to um, Morehouse uh, and gave a lot of money back, they didn't introduce her as a talk show host. Right. They introduced her as the first black billionaire and got a standing ovation. I think it's the intent of we're talking about here. So I think the one, I like that he's an adult in the room. I think he's going to force the left to come back centric. I think he's going to force the right to come back and have a rational conversation. Uh, I, I think that if he can become likable, if he can warm up, uh, because my population needs to feel you. You had 12 years to warm up. Well, maybe, maybe he will, maybe he won't. You asked me a question, I'm just giving you an answer. Right. Uh, I think that, that I wrote an article 10 years ago, if Bill Gates were black. And I said basically if Bill Gates were black, it would be 100 times more important, respectfully stated, than having a black president. And I think Obama's fantastic, by the way. I mean, fantastic. It's not the point. Bill Gates creates tens of thousands of jobs, thousands of of millionaires, a few billionaires, all of which, if they look like me, would guess what? Give back where? Where they came from. So we need a. I go the opposite way. We need a hundred billionaires who are black, a hundred billionaires who are Latino, a hundred billionaires who are Indian and Asian and women so that they can give back massively uh, and create internships and opportunity in their communities. Is it positive that he's in the race? I think it is a net positive if he's about to get it done party. Not the Republican Party, not the Democratic Party, the get it done party. Americans don't think that, people can, that they can get it done anymore. And that's the problem. The ladder is broken. So this whole concept that we hate billionaires is actually wrong. Uh, people say, oh, I hate rich people. No, you don't. You hate rich people until you become rich. 
What people hate is a game system, Joe. But don't, don't you think within the Democratic primary voters, when you say people, I mean, you're talking about the entire American, but within the Democratic primary voters, there is this pitchfork mood right now. Let, let's, right? let's ask Frank, because he's I, a, I, the I really wish somebody come talk yeah. to my clients. Yeah. Frank, <laughs> yeah. a, 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 will he run? I don't think he's going to run, uh, because I, I, maybe he does have polling that shows he could do well, but I, it just seems like he's so far from where the energy is at, at, in the Democratic Party right now. But let's break this down. Mike Bloomberg has more money than God, and he'll be able to jump in at, at about Super Tuesday, which is March 3rd. And all these other candidates will have spent tens of millions of dollars in the first four primary and caucus states, and he'll be the only one with money. Second, we forget that two dozen states are open primaries, which means independents and in some cases Republicans can vote. And I would expect Mike Bloomberg to target those places so he's not just getting the Democratic vote. Third, he's something different. We've heard from these candidates again and again. They're continuing to participate in debates, the next one coming up in 10 days. The American electorate, and particularly the Democrats, like to hear something new. And fourth, on economic issues, Elizabeth Warren has proven so left-wing that she is frightening traditional Democrats and with Joe Biden's vote collapsing in Iowa and New Hampshire. Frank, your poll, hold on, Frank, your polling says that or your gut says that? No, the, the, the focus groups, the research says mm. that Biden is collapsing. He is now in fourth place but, in but Iowa. collapsing because second. of the success of Elizabeth Warren? He is dropping and the votes aren't going to uh, Mayor Pete. They're out there, and Elizabeth Warren is gaining every but, single but week. Doesn't that suggest to you that it would be very difficult for Mayor Bloomberg to actually to actually win over that that group, since she's going to do as since she seems to be so successful at the moment at persuading people that billionaires should be vilified and are terrible? It is impossible for Mike Bloomberg to win that vote. But what I'm saying is that there is a lane right now of about a third of Democrats who are desperately looking for an alternative to Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. A third. And Mike Mike Bloomberg represents that lane. That's about 85 percent like the the choices they had. That's that you you think that they're just they have to say they like the choices they have right now. Eighty five percent were satisfied with with the candidates that uh, are in the mix right now. That was a poll. That's but that's a mistaken number, because in almost half of the states, Independents can vote, and they're not included in that polling. Mm. And in 19 states, Republicans can vote. They've got no one to vote for in the Republican but side. But, Frank, back to I this ju- issue. Do, I mean, talking to hearts, you know, John's here talking about hearts and minds. I want to know whether you think people want to vote for competence. If, mm. if, by the way, if you're just voting for competence, actually, Mayor Bloomberg should probably be at the top of the list, given what he was able to do, both in terms of his political career and his professional career, just straight competence. But people aren't talking about that. I think that this is a mistake that he's running as a Democrat. I would have argued, if I were advising him, that he should have run as an independent. But, in but then you're in the Howard, Howard Schultz problem. <clears throat> but Howard Schultz is not Mike Bloomberg. Mike Bloomberg has shown his willingness to invest in a campaign. He's shown his willingness to be tough enough to be able to take the criticism, which Howard Schultz was not. And he's shown himself. He's the same age as Joe Biden. But he acts younger. He talks younger. He seems younger. If he had run as an independent, then he would get this disaffected Republicans, the disaffected Democrats, and that large group right dead center. I agree with what you guys are saying, that it's going to be difficult for him. But I'm not saying it's impossible. All the excitement is about making sure that big money, big corporations, billionaires 
that we get them out of the political process because they're controlling everything, and the guy to do that for us is a billionaire. That makes for, no sense. For seventy percent of Democrats, no you are correct. But guys, you got to look at the numbers. There is still a third of the Democrats who don't buy that. So a third of the Democrats that are scared to death of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, and they're looking for an alternative, and they don't think Joe Biden and, and is that alternative. And as an independent, I guarantee Andrew's right about that. that. That would be disastrous. And Bloomberg said it was disastrous about Howard Schultz. That's why he said he wouldn't do it, because it would, it would take away give, votes. Give, them, give, give the audience the full story. Bloomberg was afraid of re-electing Donald Trump to a second term. That's why that? he was opposed to Because of an independent race. running, that Howard Schultz would, would sap away all the votes from, like, Jill Stein or something. Sap away no, all the... it, no, that's not correct. It's because the votes would end up in the House of Representatives, and at the time, the Republicans controlled the House of Representatives, and he was afraid that no one would get a majority of the Electoral College, and therefore goes into the House. Give Mike Bloomberg credit. He's not an idiot. He has studied this. He's focused on this, and he knows the rules of the elections. Do you think he has the, a shot of winning if he runs as an independent? I think that he, it's tough. You oh, guys you are right. to think about it, so uh, is, there's a shot. I think he has a shot at enormous disruption, which I is, think, I think is, here is positive. Uh, uh, not, not to step, step on your, your talking point, I actually massively agree with you. And, and again, I'm for the get it done party. I just think that he checks all the boxes and, 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 and he, and he cross fertilizes two conversations. The conversation about should we be socialism or capitalism? I think he, I think he, he creates a whole new narrative because I think when Henry Ford uh, came on the scene and created the middle class, we said bravo because the wealth actually helped those at the bottom of the pyramid. We are not seeing that ladder anymore, and that's what people resent, and they see I, there's no way I'm going to get there. I resent you. There must be something wrong with that system. Right. Number two, politically, he checks all the boxes of a new conversation. He can create jobs. Come on. He's given back to underserved communities. He is, he's built a city. He's, you know, he's a rational person. He's an adult in the room. <laughs> he's got a heart and a head. A, a, a compassionate heart and a liberal head. I mean, a, a conservative head. I, I think that he changes the conversation, which I think we need right now. You still think, no, you think, think he doesn't run? I don't think he runs. I don't think he does. Uh, we'll see. Okay. Uh, um, thank you for all of this. Next up on Squawk Pod, yesterday's China tariff phase-out that may have been oversold. Cats trying to wrangle them together. And today's top corporate stories. When's the last time you were at a Gap? When's the last time I was anywhere? Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Oh, that's you, sir. Huh? It is. We're waiting for you. We're waiting for you. Okay. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Here's Joe Kernan. A quick update. On the China trade war, yesterday at this time, we reported that China's commerce ministry was saying it struck a deal with the U.S. to roll back existing tariffs uh, as a part of the ongoing trade talks. But now Reuters is reporting uh, the move faces fierce internal opposition in the White House and from outside advisors. 
cats uh, trying to wrangle them together uh, in our White House. It's happening over there. I, I mean, what is funny is that, you know, usually our hopes are dashed by China saying, <laughs> saying something about, you know, a deal. Now it's like, we're, you know, China's saying, yeah, we're ready. And now we're saying, are you, we're not taking care of it. I don't know, Eunice. It's every day it's something, right? Yeah, actually, it was really unusual yesterday when the Commerce Ministry was really talkative, which is something that we don't see over here very often. Uh, but the spokesperson was uh, speaking at length about the trade talks and the latest about the the um, concept that uh, China and the U.S. would be phasing out the tariffs. So um, what's interesting, I think, is what you were just discussing about that conflict that appears to be forming, or maybe it's always been there in the White House, uh, that uh, it, it looks as though there's they're conflicted about whether or not phasing out tariffs is on the negotiating table and whether or not the U.S. should do it if it is. So economic advisor Larry Kudlow appeared to confirm to Bloomberg News uh, that uh, tariffs and the phase out would be part of the discussions when he said that tariff agreements and concessions would be included if there is a phase one deal. Now, that seems to contradict trade advisor Peter Navarro, who spoke with Fox Business saying that removing existing tariffs is not a condition to a deal. So opponents like Navarro have been concerned that if the tariffs are lifted, that that could mean that the U.S. would lose its leverage in the trade negotiations. But the Chinese have been very consistent since yesterday. Um, the Commerce Ministry, the Foreign Ministry today, and the state media have all said that a tariff and the phase out of tariffs is and has been part of the discussion and is a key condition, actually, for a successful trade deal. Guys? All right, uh, all right Eunice. Thank you. Futures are still up. I don't know what that, you know, they go up every day. Who knows? Our top corporate story shares of Disney up sharply after its fourth quarter results topped expectations. The company reporting earnings of $1.07 a share on revenue of $19.1 billion. The results coming just days before its streaming service, Disney Plus, will be launched. Speaking exclusively with CNBC yesterday, Disney CEO Bob Iger says the service is ready to go. Well, it's ready to go, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to say. We tested it in the Netherlands. We'll be talking about that a bit on our call, and it was quite successful. Now, the product of the Netherlands did not have original content, but it was extremely well-received, not just in terms of the number of subscribers, but the user reaction to it, you know, very, very navigable, meaning easy to use, elegant, uh, you know, great access to our brands and our storytelling. Joining us right now to uh, talk about the streaming environment and more, Actually, I want to talk to you about some WeWork news. There's a lot of tech, tech and media news out. And uh, Ed Lee, no better person to talk about it. Media, you're really, uh, we'll call you a media reporter, but you're media. also media tech. Media tech, because TMT. media is tech. Tech TMT. is media. There's no, there's that. that we're in the TMT land. TMT. Right. TMT is what We're looking say. in the Wall Street terms. Do people even talk about telecom anymore? Is that like a thing? Well, so t- we do talk about telecom right. in terms of AT&T doing HBO Max. But and Verizon too. doing deals with Disney+. Plus. So we were so just yes. talking, okay, what's the story on this stock? Or what is the idea? What are, what are we supposed to be looking at? Right. Yes, it's supposed to be a growth story in this smaller new segment. Thing is, they're going to be losing money in that, in that segment for a few years. Bob Iger has made that indication a bunch of times. He did a good job of explaining it to Wall Street so that even though their profits are down, they're like, right. their stock goes up, right? That's, that's how that story works. So, yes, they've got a growth story there. Um, but I think the way to think about whether it's Disney Plus or HBO Max, 
you know, they call it direct-to-consumer, but that's a bit of a misnomer, right? Because they're relying on Verizon to jumpstart a bunch of these, right. with the freebies, right? Uh, they worked out a deal with Amazon where now Disney Plus you can get through the Fire Stick, right. which just connects. Uh, they're going to work out a deal with all the other cable guys, really, to help them sell. But it's not a true bundle. I mean, they're not, it's not, not a true a bundle. bundling program. It's, it's an add-on program, an add-on. which, by the way, has been very helpful for... Uh, CBS All Access, for example, I think right. was, was plugged into that Amazon service and, right. and so many of these others. And, you know, with Comcast, they cut a deal with Netflix years right. ago. That was huge for both companies, right? So, but what I mean is, is that these guys, the streamers how are much do they, rely, Well, we don't know They're yet. at the mercy of they the platform still. They could be at the mercy still, of the platform. you're saying. Right. Exactly. That could right. be a, a point of pain right. down the road. A, and more point of negotiation. Comcast which is not going to be reliant on They're not going to be reliant on it because they're bro- you're not, people aren't going to lose their broadband connections, right? Yeah. If anything, you know, if you as a consumer have issues with your streaming service, you're, you're going to call up whether it's Netflix or Disney or AT&T now as opposed to Comcast or Charter or like Dish. Right. Can we, so we're going to switch to WeWork because yes. there's some employees that uh, have written some letters. What do you make of this? What's happening there? Well, so Silicon Valley has been fueled for for decades now on this idea, sort of this enchanted new world of we're going to change the, we're going to change the universe through technology. We can do it better than anyone else. Uh, and th- aside from the, the big profits and the big pay, the promise is that you can participate in right. this new revolution. Uh, it's happened. That was so, the promise of WeWork. That was that the promise was the of community. WeWork. But there was also a promise of Google. That was all promise right. of Facebook. So now you're seeing company, you know, the, the, the rank and file, they're right. sort of, they're lashing out against their bosses, right? Uh, Happened at Google, happened at Facebook. So what happens to WeWork? WeWork if all these, these employees are going to walk? Is there, They're not going to walk. Come on, right? Like, it's, it's a paying job. I think they want to have a stake. Now, right, but if you're SoftBank, having just given away a billion dollars to Adam, having lost a small fortune already, are, are you now like, more? yeah, sure, we want to help you. We want to give you more, too. Well, you know, there, there used to, there's this still concept of collective bargaining. Right? If, if, if WeWork employees are serious about having a seat at the table around this, they could certainly they unionize. They could unionize. Again, I don't think I that's mean, the Silicon Valley way at all, even, even for places like Google or Facebook where, right. you know, they have some sort of similar I, issues I don't really with understand the employee's point of view. I mean, they are, aren't they fortunate that SoftBank stepped in and basically bailed the entire company out? I think they're absolutely fortunate, but I think they don't like the fact that Adam Newman walked away with, you know, billion-plus dollars for effectively mismanaging the company. Final quick, that, that's, it's, final quick it's, question. Have you been watching – this is totally unrelated. Have you been watching The Morning Show? The Morning I Show on the, Apple? I caught the first. I okay. caught the first. Yeah. So you saw this uh, article in The Wall Street Journal about <laughs> – It's fact, basically a commercial for – Every other scene – where is my phone? I think I've lost my phone this morning. I'm going to have to use Find My Phone to, to, I mean, use, it's, to find my phone. I am. I don't here, I have, my, I have my, yeah. my phone here. So here, you, you can, can get a product placement. You leave it get, in, we'll get, I don't know if I left it at home. I don't know I what's going on. I wish I didn't have car, something. Was, uh, I have something that's so important. If I leave it somewhere, I have to go back. No but it was definitely blatant. Yeah. Like if but you, in every other scene, you see the phone. And it, it, right, it feels blatant. Well, also, it's like when you're, oh, the, the, no. it's really? focus on the screen. It feels blatant. You're kidding me. No, it does. I actually said it to Pilar, my wife. I said, I said, we were watching the, the morning show. I said, did you see every, uh, this is before that article came Come out. On. I said, there's so many shots of the phone. Is everybody wearing a watch? And I don't even notice the watch. No, no, I didn't watch it. But there was just, the phone plays, a, look, in our lives, the phone plays a huge role. So maybe that is realistic. But we see, but we but see you're product constantly placements seeing, in, in movies. We've been seeing that for years. We even see it in serials now. So, of course, it's going to be the thing. Like, ultimately, the show itself, I right. mean, you know. But I haven't seen anybody with an Android yet. 
<laughs> right? There's no Samsung phone. No, there no Samsung phones. There's no right, a little reali- know, realism. Unrealistic, right? Unre- a little realism would be, you know. Well, look, it's, it is the media world, though, right? Like media people tend to be Apple consumers. Yeah, but occasionally, then you have that one guy who's got the Android, and then your messages are green, right. and it's very upsetting because you don't know if it's delivered. The or green not. or the blue is a huge. You know, if that became a plot point in the in the series, it's like, like red I state, blue state. Uh, <laughs> Shares of Gap, though, we should talk about this morning, uh, tumbling after CEO uh, Art Peck announced he is stepping down. It is happening effective immediately. Peck had served as CEO since 2015 and worked at Gap for almost 15 years. The company's current non-executive chairman, Robert Fisher, will serve as interim CEO after previously holding that position back in, starting in 2007. The company also slashed its full-year earnings outlook. The timing is interesting because they had just announced in February that they would split the Gap from the yep. rest of the brands. Peck was supposed to be the CEO yep. of Remainco, and now he is out. So, When's the last time you read a Gap? When's the last time I was anywhere? Shop. Well, okay, you fine. You don't shop at all. So, no. Melissa, when's the last time you read a Gap or Physi- a Banana a Republic? Gap? Or an Old Navy? Zero, or an but, I mean, I will go to the Gap because they always have 40% off of everything. But I will only buy things when it's 40% off because right. I know it's going to be 40% off. I mean, they dress us here. That's what yeah, I mean. that's so. And I have to go meet with people. At places. Right. Zenya. Do you? Just in case you're wondering. Fancy. Fancy schmancy. Fancy schmancy. With an F and an and a S. Wow. Capitalized. I didn't know that. Good for you. Well, you're you're a, the, the biggest clothes horse in here. You think I'm the biggest clothes horse in here? Absolutely. You notice people come in and you Oh, oh I, I love clothes. Oh, yeah. I do love Peak clothes. Things. Peak lapels on, love the, on, that. The, on, a, on the blazer. I mean, or he on knows. A... He goes, is that a... Boss, uh, Jack. I, I mean, you know the suits. You can tell when they come in. You know. I do. I do love clothes. I admit. I'm very happy to admit that I love clothes. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there's not. I like. You know, I love my Lululemon pants. <laughs> They're stretchy and they have a zipper on where I put my wallet. The iconic New York City charging bowl sculpture is moving away from its current home. The statue, of course, has been in Bowling Green Park now for about 30 years. The mayor's office says plans are underway to move the statue closer to the New York Stock Exchange. New York City officials say safety concerns are behind that relocation. The sculpture is a frequent site of protests and poses a traffic risk when crowds spill into the road from the median around it. I've spent quite some time around that. Everybody tries to go down there. Just walk in the street to take the picture. And the cars are... So you put it right in front of the exchange or near the exchange. And by the way, right around the exchange, there are no cars anymore. So you could could pull this off. Um, I mean, if you're truly woke... We probably had to just melt that thing down and, and use the, the metal. For but the carbon footprint so, of melting it might be that's very a, that's large, too, so it's a real you would, just, you would just prefer to have a bear out there? No, not a bear. I, I don't want to give any uh, more publicity to capitalism in any form, oh, uh, bearish or, or bullish. It would be a symbolic so, melting of the symbolic bull. Symbolic. I don't know. Oh. Can't, we need some uh, village, it takes a village type uh, globalist symbol there. I, I would prefer. Just, you would? Wouldn't you? Do no. you think it's big bulls? Yes, support capitalism, my friend. Stop with this. Stop with this. Free markets. Free markets. Ooh, what's happening here? Free market, <laughs> free market capitalism. How I'm you- yanking his I chain. I know, and he's, he's yanking, yanking back. Chain. Um, I'm actually not yanking your chain. How you think that? You what think other that form, in this day and age? What other think- system in the world has ever taken? People out of poverty, the way capitalism... He's, he, just, he wants... He's trying but, to get you to say those things, Andrew, and you it, are. And it, but it, because it's true. Yes, it is true. But, because it is true. It, no, Absolutely but, but, true. but seriously, don't you think that symbol with where a lot of 
you know, the Sanders supporters, et cetera, they don't like that symbol. They don't like capitalism. It's a woke, no, they don't like the symbol of the bull. Right. And if you're I, truly woke, I think we, what is it made out of? Do you know? I mean, I'm sure we can make some really good stuff. I imagine that it's, it's copper a, or bronze, bronze or yeah. something. It could be better used in, in another, if we melt it. <laughs> That's the show for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Where's my phone? I think I've lost my phone. This morning. I'm going to have to use Find My Phone. I don't know if I left it at home. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully, Andrew will have found his phone by then. Have a great weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.